morning, good morning. Who said that? Thanks, Dave. Thanks. We can stop. I'm Tom, <laughs> in case you didn't hear these people. So good morning, everyone. A um, couple quick announcements. First announcement is kind of placing into the rhythm of branches the second Tuesday of every month. Tell me the time, Dave. 6.30 to 8. A group of people want to start meeting here to go and just walk the community of Warsaw and pray. That's it. There's no expectation to engage with people, although that might happen. But really, it's just a time to press in and ask God to, be, to, to work and move in our community. So the second Tuesday of every month, so a couple of Tuesdays, first Tuesday of every month. Watch your green card next week. It'll be on the green card because then you won't get messed up. Um, today, we have a thing called Tacos with Tom. Here's the catch. If you don't have lunch plans, you do now, as long as you've never been to a Tacos with Tom. What Tacos with Tom is, is it's a time for us at Branches to meet you on a more intimate level while we shovel food into our mouths and to, for you to ask questions about what is this church that you guys have been maybe come to for the first time today or that you've been coming to. So if there's questions, if there's information about branches you want to know or need to know, that's what Tacos with Tom is. So the invitation is for anyone who's never been a part of a Tacos with Tom, whether you've been coming since we started the church three and a half years ago or this is your first Sunday, you're invited to stay today for lunch with Tacos with Tom. And we have tacos that's what we're going to eat is tacos, hence the name. I'm just warming myself up. Let me ask you a question because we're going to start into our, our message and continue on with, with the story of David being anointed as king and then the process of him moving through his life and dealing with, with um, um, this big giant named Goliath. My question is, is as he was anointed for king, obviously that was God's hand on him. God's calling on him, what God had chosen him to do for his life, that was what, what was taking place. My question is, is who could raise their hand today? And you, you don't necessarily have to raise your hand, but if I was pressing you and you could say, I absolutely know what my calling is in life, what God has called me to do in life. Could, could, could you raise your hand and say, yes, I am 100%, I know God, what God has called me to do in life. Could you do that? I see some hands. Yeah. You know, yep, I, I have heard from God. I understand my gifting, and I know exactly where God's moving me and what God has planned for my life. Here would be a, another question maybe for more of us is, I have a general idea of what God has for my life. I kind of think I know. I kind of one time felt this little nudge. Maybe I heard something. Maybe somebody spoke something to my life that made sense. It resonated with me. And I kind of have this general idea of what God has for my life. Could, you, could some of you guys raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm kind of in that position. And then maybe the, the next question is, you're, I, would, I would ask, do you even have a clue what your calling is for your life? 
I just don't know. I've not discovered it. I, I, I just can't quite figure it out. I, I, you know, I, I just, I'm just lost. And if you're, if you're that person, I'll, I'll just throw this invitation out. I said this last week, had a couple takers, and it's the invitation that let's have a conversation. Let's get together and talk, and I could, I could give you some, some material that can start to help you understand what your gifting is, what God placed in your life and, has, and wants to see developed in your life for his kingdom. And let's have a conversation. Let's start teasing that out. Let's figure that out so we don't just walk through life unproductive for God's kingdom. That would be the thing. So what is your calling? And today we're going to talk about are we developing our, our calling, how we develop our calling. There's this guy named Dan Bailey. If you're, if you're a football fan, you're going to love this. If you're not a football fan, I'm sorry. I just, in reading the news and listening to radio, I heard this this week and it, and it resonated with me. So there's this guy named Dan Bailey. He's been the kicker for the, for the Dallas Cowboys for the past seven years, but he was released because of an injury and just this week, he was picked up by the Minnesota Vikings, got a $2 million signing contract for one year. How many of you guys would like to have that contract? <laughs> to kick a football through two poles. Easy job. Now, here's, here's what I know about Dan Bailey. The last trip I took to Thailand and Cambodia um, when I was leading teams, I had the mother-in-law and the brother-in-law of Dan Bailey on my team. So they were on my, wow, Yeah. I know somebody who knows somebody. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Mom. I cued her to say, wow. <laughs> but so on the team, I had Dan Bailey's mother-in-law and brother-in-law. And so they, and it was early August. So the whole time we're in Thailand, they're, they're checking updates because it's all preseason. They, oh, Dan kicked a field goal. Oh, Dan did this, Dan did that. The brother-in-law started telling me about Dan. Dan grew up in, in Texas, or no, Oklahoma, and he went to a, a small Christian school, and they, they were so small, they played eight-man football. So, you know, scaled-down football. They didn't have goalposts at their school, so therefore, they ran in the point after touchdown. So every time you score, you know, you see them kick the field goal. They would just run it in, and they never had the option to try and kick a field goal because they didn't have goalposts. And Dan started to feel like, as a, as a, like a sophomore in high school, I think I could kick this football. I think I have the ability to kick a football. So he went to his coach and said, I want to start learning to kick. And so him and his coach went down to Home Depot, and they bought PVC pipe, and they glued together and made a goalpost. And Dan started practicing kicking footballs through this goalpost. Kind of a, you know, probably not a good chance of going anywhere for a kid kicking footballs on an eight-man team through a, through a PVC goalpost. But here's what Dan did. Dan set state records in high school, went to college at, at uh, Oklahoma State where he set records in college, and then didn't get drafted into the NFL. He, he was undrafted but he, as, a, as a free agent, I think it's what you call it, he then got picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. And after his seventh year, he's the second, he has the second highest field goal percentage in NFL history. Not only that, but he's, he has the highest record of, of a kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. I would think this kid, this guy named Dan Bailey, was, was made to be a kicker. He's, he's doing what, what his foot was built to do. But it didn't happen the first day that he decided, I think I'm going to be a kicker, and they, they glued together PVC pipe. There was a development that took place in his life 
to get him to the place where NFL teams said, you're ready. And to where he can sign a piece of paper on Tuesday to start making $2 million for until January. February, if his team goes all the way. He's going to make $2 million, not in a year, in like four months. It's good pay. So last week when we, when we kind of kicked into this, I just realized I said kicked in, and I've been talking about a kicker. I didn't even write, I, I said this to some people this morning. I wrote nothing funny about my message today. Anything that comes out that you might chuckle on, free, like, what's it called? Where you just like, freestyling, yeah. So that was freestyling, funny. Let's kick off today. This is terrible. If you're coming for the first time, just, this is me. <laughs> you can quickly decide, I don't like that guy. <laughs> so here's, here's what we did last week. We looked at when David was anointed to be king. And if you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you have your Bible or a device on your phone, you could turn there because we'll be referencing several scripture there this morning. David, Samuel, God told Samuel, it's time for a new king. Go to Jesse in Bethlehem because one of his sons, I'm going to tell you, is the one to anoint as king. You remember this story. Jesse paraded seven of his sons in front of Samuel and pretty much expected that one of these are going to be the one. And really the, f- the first son probably is going to be the one because he was a strapping man and good looking. And, and even Samuel the prophet said, surely this is the one. And God said this to, to, um, to Samuel. He says, People judge by our outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he's telling them, don't look at what you're seeing in front of you because I've chosen someone else. Out of that, David gets pulled in off the fields, and God says, this is the one, anoint him. And the the kid who was dismissed from the party was anointed a king. The one that, that dad and all the brothers thought didn't even think to invite to this great event in family history was the one anointed as king. And so when we looked at that, the principle, and I kind of jumped ahead of, uh, of this, my wife in the back, but the principle is that God looks at our heart. That was the main principle of that, of that message last week. And that principle, if you remember, we kind of went down two paths. And the one path is since God looks at the heart and dismisses the outward, maybe we as Christians should press in to dismissing the outward of somebody when we meet them and really press in to looking at their heart. But ultimately, for us, the good news for many of us is God doesn't care about what we look like. He cares about the condition of our heart. And the condition of our heart is what he wants to see developed. The condition of our heart towards him is what's most important. So that was the principle that we looked at last week. And as we move forward, here's what I want to try and do. I want to try and communicate the principle that we see as we move forward. And I, I think I found two um, to finish up chapter 16. And, and the reason I think it's important to communicate and us to pull out the principles is this. I, I know in churches, a lot of times we could take a, a passage like this and there's a lot of history to be kind of, you know, kind of mined out of a passage like this. We could start looking at the, you know, the, the social time and, and why Samuel was, was appointed as, a, as the, the prophet and what the king was doing and, and 
the, the battles and the wars, and we can really get into a lot of that. I like stuff like that. I like messages like that where it gets real heady, and you're just hearing all these really cool concepts and these thoughts, and, and then we could take David and, you know, little David and nine-foot Goliath and start talking about the, the armor that Goliath wore was probably twice as heavy as David himself as a person and, and draw some spiritual like context out of that. And, and I think those, those, are, those are neat to do. And, and we could all sit at home and do those on our computer. Frankly, anything I preach about, I, I use my computer to, to research and get. And so it's all at everybody's fingertips. I think it's important for us to grab the, the principles because I think that as, as, as Christians, as God's children, as, as, as God's people, God has, has equipped us or is, is equipping us and is calling us to, to show his kingdom and his love to the world. And I think that as a church, sometimes we get, we get a little bit um, confused that being God's church is coming into this building and singing some songs and high-fiving each other and throwing some money in a plate, and then we go home and we'll see you next week. But, but for me, what I believe the church is about is that we come here to worship God. We come here to be equipped so that we can go out the rest of the six days, 22 and a half hours of our life and bring God's kingdom to a world that needs to know God's kingdom. And I believe that we need to take principles from the Bible and look at them and say, how do I apply those to my life so that I can be what God's called me to be? And, I could, and God can develop me into being what he's called me to be. And I can do the things that God is allowing me and inviting me to do for his kingdom. Does that make sense? So that's, that's kind of why this morning I just want to pull out a, a couple principles, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 13. And the first, the first principle is this, because we see David be anointed by, by Samuel. And the first principle is that David was filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. So here's the verse. It says, as David stood there among his brothers, if you remember, um, Samuel said, go get him. We won't sit down until he, he's brought in. So they bring David in. He stood there amongst his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil, olive oil he had, and brought and anointed David with the oil, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. When David walked into the room, God said, "That's the one. That's the one I'm placing my hand on to be the king of my people." And as he was anointed, God took His spirit and placed it on David in a powerful way from that day on. And I think we we don't want to skirt over this this thought that David was, was not only given a position by God, but God was giving him his spirit to, to walk out that position. If we look in the Old Testament, we see that many times God placed his, his spirit on certain people. Obviously, Samuel had God's spirit on him. The prophets had God's spirit on him. You remember Samson, um, God's spirit was placed on Samson. And a lot of times when God placed his spirit on people in the Old Testament, it was so that they could do extraordinary things. Or they could do things that they were not equipped to do. But the thing that I I read is, I don't see that everybody had God's spirit placed on them in the Old Testament. I think, I see that it was like God selected for a time and a purpose to place his spirit on people so so that people can further do 
what God wanted them to do. And, and so we see in, in this verse that God says, David's going to be my next king. I'm going to place my spirit on him. And, and it was a powerful thing that David received at that point. So for us, here's the exciting thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've come to a place in your life where you've said yes to Jesus, and yes, I, I recognize that what he did on the cross for me to restore my relationship with back to what I was created to have, the relationship with the Father, then God has placed his spirit within you. I love this. I love that we live in a time on this side of the cross where when we say yes, the Holy Spirit has been given for, to, to, to indwell us, to live within us, and, and that we don't have to walk this life alone. Because of Jesus on the cross, we get the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus. So this is the principle. The principle that is within your calling, are you walking out your calling with the filling of the Holy Spirit? Now let, let me just kind of explain something here. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says this. It says, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. There's other verses, but basically it's this idea that at salvation you get the Holy Spirit. And we walk around with the Holy Spirit in us, and we have the Holy Spirit, God, living in us. But then there's this other term that, that we hear about, and that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we maybe get these things confused, and sometimes it's been, you know, abused. And when I see the term, the filling of the Holy Spirit, or being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think of what Jesus said in Acts when he says, the Holy Spirit will come, and it will come on you, and when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when he comes on you. You know this verse in Acts chapter 1, I think it is. Yeah, Acts chapter 1. Paul's writing to the Ephesians, the church, the Christians, and he's telling them to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. Remember the, the, you know, the verse that everybody likes to quote, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He's talking to Christians. But he also tells them at the, you know, the church at times, you, you receive the Holy Spirit when you at salvation. But then he's telling them, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, he starts to, to talk about this, this tension, this battle going on within us of the flesh, our old life, and the spirit, you know, that there's this, this, this tension, this battle for, for control and lead in our life. And Paul's again saying, hey, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Don't go back to the life you had. Let the Holy Spirit fill you in order to guide you, in order to empower you, in order to convict you, in order to lead you, in order to speak to you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is, and this is what I think we see with, with David. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says it was, it was powerful. And as you, as you look, you know, move on, and we, we talk about David and Goliath, we know that it was, it was not possible in the natural for this young little boy to kill this giant that all of the army was afraid of. Even Saul was freaking out over this one, one man. And yet this one boy was able to come in and do the work because of God's spirit on him. And so... For us, the, 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 the principle to grab a hold of is that if I want to see my gifting in my life come out and God's calling come out, I need to do it under the filling and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so what, is, what does that mean for us? 
What does that mean if, I, if you say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? And I've said this many times. I, I, I would tell you that it, it means that you're submitting your life on a day-by-day basis, maybe a moment-by-moment basis, to, to, the, to the turning the throne of your life over to the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you. And, and I think we're all smart enough to know that when we're in control of our life. Because when we're in control of our life, it doesn't show the things of God, does it? When I'm, when I'm acting as Tom, I'm, I'm not a loving person. I'm, 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 I'm not very compassionate. I'm selfish. I could be rude. I could do a lot of things when I'm Tom that you're like, I don't, that doesn't look like God. But when God, I'm allowing God to lead and guide me, and I'm, I'm, I've submitted for whatever that moment in time is, whatever that day is, I am hearing from God in a way I can, I can love somebody who I really don't want to love. I can give compassion, even though I would say it's probably really low on my, on my spiritual gifting list. Because the Holy Spirit does a work in me that I'm unable to do. Does that make sense? Are we grabbing hold of that? Because I think that's probably the most important thing as followers of Jesus in walking out and living in this world. If, we, if we're trying to walk out our gifting and our calling under our own power, I think we're going to fail. I really do. I think we're going to find ourselves frustrated. I think we're going to find ourselves losing patience. I think we're going to find ourselves um, thin-skinned. That was one. Thin-skinned. I, I, I have thin skin. And when I'm doing stuff on my own, I get off- offended easy and I get hurt easy. But when, when God's leading me and I know I'm in the place where I need to be, I, I got armor that bounces off. So that, so that would be the first thing is, is, are we walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? If you're not, I would encourage you that even before you leave today, that you come and get prayed for and say, I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want somebody to just, just pray with me and ask God to fill me in such a way that I know that God's in control of my life. It's pretty simple. And then I would encourage you that, that to just try it out. I think it's okay to try stuff out. Just Maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up, you just say, God, I, would you fill me with your spirit so I can see people the way you see people? Would you fill me with your spirit right now so that when, when life's junk hits me, I respond the way you would want me to respond? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit in, in such a way that... that I, I not am just going to my job, but I'm going to my job with your eyes to love the person in the cubicle next to me across my desk that I come into contact with. Would you speak to me during the day? Would you be willing to test that out if, you've, if, you don't, if that's new to you? And just maybe see if God really does speak to you. Maybe see if God really does come through, because I believe he does. I believe that, that when we step into that and submit to that, we will start to see God do things in our life that we go, that's not me, and I don't have, I'm not equipped for that. Okay, so that's the first, that's the first kind of principle in this, this passage that we see. The second principle, ooh, is that we need to develop our calling. Kind of got lost there. Dan Bailey was brought on to be the, um, the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings this week because if you watched the football game last week, they were playing... I, is, where's Jeff at? Raise your hand, Jeff. Jeff, 
<laughs> he's a Minnesota Vikings fan. Are the Green Bay Packers like their, their arch enemies? Like that's their, their team to always go against, right? So they were playing the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field in Green Bay, and the game ended in a tie. Did they lose or did it end in a tie? It ended in a tie. Here's what happened in the game. I just watched some of the game, but the, the kicker, I want to get his name right. His last name's Carlson, Daniel Carlson. The kicker, rookie kicker, brought in, did great in college, brought in, you know, drafted in, you know, really early in the draft to the Minnesota Vikings, kicked a field goal during the game and missed it, which the game ended in a tie when the four quarters were over, and had he made that, Vikings would have won against their enemies in their enemies' home turf. And Daniel Carlson missed that field goal. Then they come into overtime, and Daniel Carlson steps up to kick another field goal, which would win the game, misses it, too. And, and the announcer said, oh, professional kickers don't miss two in one game. So then overtime is running out. Neither team has scored. There's a penalty, which gives Minnesota Vikings an edge. They drive down, 35-yard chip shot. Simple kick for, a, for a, a professional football place kicker to kick into the field goal. Daniel Carlson comes out on the, on the field to earn his high pay, kicks it, wide right, misses it. Poor kid, right? Here's what my thinking is. Daniel Carlson was a great college kicker, but he was not developed and ready for the big stage and the, and the pressure and the, 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 to stand on the home turf of his arch enemies and win a game for his team. And so that, that quickly that kid by Monday had lost his job. Just kind of making a comparison here about, was he developed enough to be a kicker in the pros even though he was great? in the college. So as, a, as, as people for us, we need to develop this calling that we have on us while we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we kind of see this with David. David gets anointed as king, and he doesn't just say, well, I'm king now, and he looks at his brothers and his dad and goes, see, now you guys are going to bow to me, and therefore I'm going to just take my place on my throne right now. But what we find is David is back out in the field dealing with the sheep. And the next verse, in verse 14, talks about how when at 13, God places his spirit on David. 14, God removes his spirit from Saul. And Saul then gets a spirit that starts tormenting him. And this is, this is the, the principle that we need to look at, is the amazing coincidences in our life. Because what happens is Saul gets this tormenting spirit and he's, he's tormented as he sleeps. He can't sleep. And he says to his people, I need to find somebody to soothe my torment who can play a harp. Is there anybody in the land that can play a harp? And guess who his people say get, is the best harp player in the land? Little David. And he says, there's this kid named David who's the son of, of Jesse. He's out in Bethlehem as a shepherd. He's the best player. Do you think that's a little bit of a coincidence? David knows he's been anointed to be king someday. Saul doesn't. Saul's being tormented, and David is the one of, of 
couple million people chosen to come soothe the king's problems. And so David is brought in. Here's what I want to ask you. Think about your life when you, when you kind of sensed a nudge from God and you thought, maybe that's my calling. Maybe one day God's going to place me here. Maybe something's going to happen. What have been amazing coincidences in your life to get you to the place that you're at now? Can you think about like how, how, how weird sometimes life takes you on this path and you find yourself exactly where you know you should be? Like, I'm standing here today because of that guy st- sitting there in that corner. So that guy in the corner is named Will Phillips. Will's brother, 18 years ago, I'm living in Southern California. I, didn't even, I couldn't even point Indiana out on a map. And Will's brother, through some random string of connections, ends up living in our house. Because he ended up in California, and he knew somebody that I knew. And I flippantly made a comment to his brother one day, like, hey... If you're ever in the area, stop by. And at 9 o'clock one night, he decided to stop by. And I'm laying there ready to go to bed. And this kid's knocking on my door because he was like 18 years old. And he stops by and says, you said stop by. And he kind of never left. And he moved in with us. And we became friends. Obviously, he moved in and we had to become friends. And he roomated with my one-year-old daughter, who's now almost 19 years old. And, uh, and out of that, we ended up bringing, coming to Indiana, having a vacation. Some stuff was taking place in our life in ministry in California. We felt like we needed a move and a break. We ended up in Indiana. And just this random string of coincidences lands me standing here today. I don't think that they're coincidences. I put that in kind of as a, as a play. I think God knows exactly where he wants you to be. And he works and orchestrates your life to get you to the place you want as we submit to him. And so, and so with David, we see this at the end of, of the chapter 16. He's playing the harp for Saul. Saul falls in love with him and really loves him. And verse 21 says this, David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. David was quickly elevated to a place where he was the right-hand man of the king. I read about armor bearers this week. An armor bearer basically carried the shield and extra weaponry for, the, for the, um, the one that was doing the battle, for the king. And so as Saul would go into battle, David would be marching right next to him. And his job was to stay close to, to Saul and not to turn away. And there had to be a connection between the two of them because Saul had to trust David. And as Saul went through and was whacking people he, and people would lie there, David's job was not only to carry the armor for Saul, but to finish off the people that Saul had knocked down. So like, I'm going to knock him down and you're going to cut their throat and kill him. This is like some on-the-job training for, for David, Right? But he becomes the armor bearer. But in this, what I, what I also see is God has placed him into a place where what better to grow in his calling to be king than to serve the king? No better place, right? To be the right-hand man for the king, to, to be an, into an intimate relationship with the king where the king's being tormented by a spirit and David's the one to be brought in at night to soothe him with the harp and then David's the one to walk out into battle with him and David's the one to be sitting there where the meetings are happening. God just worked this out. I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is God saying, okay, David, I'm going to develop you into the place. David's attitude was this. David began to serve him. 
How many times do we get a position and somebody says, you're, you're going to be this someday, and we just sit and go, okay, I'm, come on, bring it. I think there's a principle here that just from the time that we feel God's calling, sense God's calling, know God's calling in our life, there's a, a development that takes place, and in that development comes service. It comes us being willing to lay down our rights. I mean, David knew, I'm going to be king someday, so I, can, I don't have to go serve this king. I, I mean, maybe he did in that time, but, but David could have had a different attitude, like, I'll do it because I have to, but he, he went and he served this king to where the king loved him. So in your life, if you know what your calling is, are you moving and developing that calling through the service of your life in order to, for God to bring that about? That's the second principle, that we need to develop our calling and there's on-the-job training that God gives us while he's working stuff out in us. So we're prepared to kick that field goal when this pressure's on and when the time comes. It's not going to just happen overnight. We have the Holy Spirit filling us that we, we, get, we get to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control of our lives in such a way that we get the power of God within us. We never walk alone. We never go out and do God's bidding without God setting the stage for us and empowering us to do his work. I think that's a great thing. I think we're missing it if we try and go do God's work without being filled with Holy Spirit. And while we're on this path of, of, of the place where God wants us, he's bringing about areas of our life to develop us, to, to build us, to encourage us, to equip us for that that point in time. And are we, are we being developed? Are we allowing God to, to work out the stuff in our life that needs to get worked out, to, to grab the tools of life that we need for the calling that we have? Are we allowing God to do that? If we're not, then we're just sitting here in, in a building. But as God's church, we're called to be out there doing his, his bidding, bringing his kingdom to a world that needs to hear it. Think about this. Many of you guys like our, we have a couple doctors in the room. Let me, let me just pick on the two doctors in the room, okay? You guys went to medical school and you got your little degree and you got your bill. <laughs> got your degree and you got your bill, right, Terry? <laughs> and, and what would have happened if after you finished the, the educational part and they said, Dr. Terry, Dr. Rachel, you just went out and started slicing and dicing on people. It would have been an ugly thing, right? What if you engineers, you know, went to, went to Purdue and got your engineering degree, and then you just, hey, I got my degree. Let me just, here, I built this knee in my, in my garage. Let's just start development of that. It's not how it happens, is it? Think about any career you have. If you're, if you're in construction, contractor, anything you're doing, just because you got handed the job never means you were ready for that job, Right? There was a development that took place in your life. So, so I mean, um, I've talked to Nolan a little bit. He, you know, after he was done with his degree, he was in this internship and this apprenticeship where he, you know, he was walking and learning about the job he was going to ultimately have. And that's for all of us, right? If, if you're, if you're going to build a house, and you know, I could build a house. I bought a hammer at, at Menards. Scott, I'm thinking of you, man, when we were, you brought out your little Bob the Builder hammer. 
I'm at this guy's house. We have to take the door off. And he goes, I got a hammer. And he gives me this little Bob the Builder. It was purple. It was cute. We're tapping the little pins out, you know. This doesn't mean you're a contractor because you own a hammer. You have to develop and get and figure it out and know. I mean, I've done a ton of construction, and every time I jump in with Rick on some sort of a construction, I'm amazed by the things he tells me. Oh, wait, we have to do this in order for that to happen. And, I, and I, I'm like, I think I could build a house today, but once I work with Rick, I know I can't build a house today. Developing, letting God work it out. And that's what's happening with David here. Because David's got a showdown coming with Goliath, Right? And we're going to look at it in a couple of weeks where, where, you know, David, obviously, God's continuing to prep him, continuing to get him ready for this showdown. We're going to pause on this for next week because um, Scott is back from Africa, and, and we're going to have him share about what God did with him and what God's doing with him in Africa um, through his trip to Africa and for the future. It's going to be a great time just to hear about what God's doing in the heart of somebody, you know, that has been part of branches for the past couple of years. But when we pick this up, we're just going to look at, at, at kind of the victories that we saw take place with David because of this time of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting God be God in his life and being developed. So would you stand with me? Two principles. The power of the Holy Spirit in us is necessary to fulfill our calling and that we need to continue to develop our calling until our time has come. Here's the practical steps to take home. First, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's foreign to you, if maybe somewhere in your life you, you heard about it and it seemed weird or crazy, if, if you know, if you're comfortable, and that, yeah, I understand being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm walking on my own, I'm doing my own thing, I'm on, on the um, control th- throne of my life, and I need to just resubmit to God. When we pray at the end of service and we ask you to come forward if you want to receive prayer, maybe you should come forward and just say, hey, would you pray with me that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit? The second is understand your gifting and calling. You can't, you can't get there if you don't know where you're going. You can't do what God's asked you to do or what God's placed in you to do if you don't know what it is. And so figure that out. If you know it, start, start developing it. If you don't know it, come talk to me. We can... We can walk down a path together. Consider those coincidences in your life where you're like, why did that happen? Maybe God's prepping you. Maybe there's a, there's, there's a lesson to be learned in some of those just random things that take place in your life. And then look for ways to serve and develop your gifting. Those are just four things I, I thought maybe we could pull out that we saw David do and, or saw take place with David. So here's how, here's how the rest of the service is going to end. We're going to finish with a worship song. We, go in, we do a thing called ministry time here at Branches. And what that simply means is that if you need or want somebody to, to connect with you and pray with you about whatever's taking place in your life, we always like to leave space at the end of the service for that. So, so if, you, you know, if you're dealing with something physically and you want somebody to pray with you for, for healing... Um, we want to pray with you. If there's something in, in your life going on with your job or, you know, whatever it is that life hits us on that we need God to intervene in, um, we leave this space for this. Here's what we want to invite you to do. We're going to finish with this song. And when the song's over, you'll be dismissed. At that point, if you just say, I think I want somebody to pray with me, 
I need somebody to pray with me. I just need to spend some time hearing from God. When everybody's dismissed, dismissed, just walk on up front here, and there'll be people up here that will greet you and, 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 and connect with you and, and pray with you. And then we'll, we'll be finished for the day. Tacos with Tom will happen pretty much immediately after the service is dismissed in the kitchen. So out, out through the doors and the kitchen's off to the side. And um, we'll get that started as soon as we feel like everybody's in there. It, it takes about 30 to 40 minutes. I'm not going to hold you hostage here all day. You get a free, awesome lunch. And, and it's just a great time for you to ask questions about, about what, who we are and what we're doing and to hear about why we're here in Warsaw. So would you pray with me? So God, I, I, I think it's awesome that you... You give us this opportunity to be your agents in the world. And Lord, I think you have the power just to kind of make things happen however you want. But in your love and in your development of us, you allow us to be a part of of seeing people come into relationship with you. And so, God, my prayer this morning is that, that as, as your people standing here, we will recognize that and we will commit to be to being people sharing your love outside the walls of this hour and a half experience that we've had. God, that we would be people that would would say, my life is to lift you high. And to lift you high, Lord, means to share others about your love and to invite others into your relationship. So God, would you would you just kind of plant that in our hearts as as a strong desire? Would you would you convict us that, hey, I've got something for you. Would you would you pay attention? And Lord, as we press into that, Lord, I know you're faithful to, um, to develop that out in us, to call that out, out in us, and to empower us for what you've called us to do. God, I just pray that you were glorified today in our worship. Be glorified in our life, Lord. And thank you that you love us, and we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.